right, good day, and welcome once again to our Bible study. We're going to be continuing on in the book of Matthew and the gospel of Matthew in chapter 23, and today we'll be covering verses 13 through 26. So let's go back to last week. If you remember last week, Jesus was calling out the Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, right? And Jesus was warning them about their hypocrisy is what he was doing. And he was telling the crowds that when these teachers of the law, the Pharisees, you're right, when they sit on the seat of Moses, right, listen to them because they preach the word of God when they sit on this seat of Moses. And we discussed last week what the seat of Moses was. But Jesus also told the crowds, he says, however, as, as long as they're on this seat, you listen to them because they're preaching the word. They're teaching the truth of God. But he said, however, the minute they get off this seat, in other words, they go out into society, they go out into the public, Jesus tells the crowd, don't listen to them. In other words, because they don't preach. They preach it, but they really don't do it. They don't do exactly what they say. Exactly what they preach, right? And Jesus went on and he gave them examples of what he was talking about in last week's lesson, right? He said, you know, they wear these phylacteries, the tefillins, right, on their, on their arm or on their forehead. And he said, instead of it being like everybody else's, they make theirs a little bigger, right? They make their garments on their tassels a little longer, he says, instead of wearing it like everybody else. And he's saying, you know why? Because they want to be noticed. They want the attention to be drawn to them. You see these Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, they were very, very prideful people, right? Jesus went on also to say that, you know, they like to sit at the head of the table. They like to be the first ones invited to banquets and sit at the banquets, right? Again, all for them to what? Be noticed. And, and Jesus, at the end of last week's lesson, he, he gives them a little bit of advice, right? He says, you need to be a servant. And we all know that Jesus came himself, what? To be a servant to others, right? Jesus didn't come to be served. Jesus didn't want all the attention on him. Jesus was sent by God our Father, right? To serve people, right? To, to, for us to be the light of the world so he can be an example to us of what we need to do to carry on the gospel, to carry on the truth of God. So what we're going to see in today's lesson is that Jesus, he's going to continue to call out these teachers of the law, the Pharisees and the scribes. And in today's lesson, you're going to hear over and over again that Jesus is going to warn them and he's going to be telling them, woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees and scribes, woe to you. He's warning them, meaning unless you change, then something terrible is going to happen, right? So today's lesson, we're going to call it the seven woes on the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 23, starting in verse 13 today. And verse 13 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, woe to you. 
teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You shed the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. But you yourselves do not enter. Nor will you let those enter who are trying to enter. So let's take that first text, right? Where he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Now that word woe, that's a term of warning. In other words, we're going to see this throughout the lesson today where Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law, you scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you over and over and over. And what this word means is that something awful is going to happen unless there's a change that takes place, right? And, and this is what Jesus really wants. Jesus wants to bring about a change into these people's lives for the good. But you know what? We can say the same thing about us, right? You see, Jesus wants to change our lives for the better. And whenever we encounter the Word of God, whenever we encounter the truth of God, right? When we get to know Jesus on a personal level, our Messiah, right? Jesus wants to bring that change into our life just as well. See, a change that is God-pleasing to Him. Right? A change that in our life, or whatever we do, we do the will of the Father, we do the will of God, right? So God can get the glory. Jesus can get the glory. In other words, a change that manifests righteousness, we can say, right? That manifests His purpose and justice, that shows His glory to this world. And it is when, it's only when this happens, right? That we understand His revelation. And once we understand that revelation... We can take that and we can apply it into our daily lives. Then you know what's going to happen? The anointing and the releasing of the power of the Holy Spirit, right, will be upon us. You see, it's when this happens that God's wisdom will be given to us, right? We will have His point of view, so to speak. We will have the wisdom, His knowledge that He gives forth through the Holy Spirit. Then do you know what's going to happen? We're going to act. We're going to behave in a way that's God-pleasing to Him, right? We will act in a way that manifests His presence in our life. See, when you understand and you implement this in your life, right? Then we are doing what He calls us to do, right? See, we put on this earth for one reason. And that reason we was put on this earth is... To be that bright light, that beacon that shines in this dark world. In other words, when people see you, because the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is upon you, right? His righteousness, His wisdom, His purpose for your life, right? Then that bright light shines and people know that you are a disciple of Jesus, right? In other words, when people see you, they should see the face of Jesus, right? We take on the character of Jesus with the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is what Jesus says, going back to the verse. He says, woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees. And look what he calls them. He calls them this once again. Over and over in the Gospel of Matthew, we, we study this, where he calls them hypocrites. He says, you 
hypocrites, right? This implies that they know the truth, but they're not living out the truth, right? They know what to do, right? They understand to a certain degree what God is saying, but this is what they do. They manipulate the word of God, not to be servants of God, but to do what? To exalt themselves, to make themselves shine, to make themselves look good, right? Why, you say? Why do they do that? Because they're not operating with humility. But instead, they're being moved by pride, right? And because of this, he's going to say to them many, many times, you need to change. Woe to you, he's telling them. You need to change because if you don't change, oh, how awful it's going to be for you, right? And this is something that we should take notice of, what, what Jesus is saying here, right? Because sometimes there are certain areas in our life, right, that we may have to make a proper change in our lives, right? It, it, you might be prideful yourselves in certain areas of your life, right? Maybe you know somebody that's real prideful, right? You see, when you are prideful, it's hard to be humble. It's hard to serve others. But Jesus is telling us, woe to you. And if you need to make that change of change from being prideful to being more of a servant like he is, right? To, to be more of a servant like he calls his disciples to be, then it might be hard for some of us, right? But you see what pride does. I'm going to tell you what pride does to people. And the Bible says this, right? That, that those people that have pride have a hard time entering the kingdom of heaven. It's very, very dangerous. Because pride leads to destruction, the Bible says, right? See, most people that have, a, have, have this sense of pride in them, right? They're never going to see the eternal kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? In other words, they're going to spend their eternity in darkness. They're going to spend their eternity in hell, right? And Jesus tells them this right here because he's saying, you need to change, woe to you. See, they're prideful. They want to bring the attention on themselves. They're not trying to be servants of God, but they're trying to be servants to themselves is what he's trying to be. And maybe some of us are like that in certain areas of our life, right? And Jesus is not only telling the Pharisees this and the scribes, the teachers of the law, but he's also telling us that, right? That maybe there's a change that we need to make in our life, so we need to pay particular attention to what Jesus is saying here, right? And look what else he says. He tells the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the scribes, he says, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You see, Jesus came with the message about the kingdom of heaven, about the kingdom of God, right? He came to tell us how to enter this kingdom, right? He came to tell us how to receive those kingdom blessings in our life today. But not only here, right? but also in the fullness, in the kingdom of God, what is to come. But look what these teachers of the law do, right? They, they turn people away from the truth of God. Because look what Jesus tells them. He says, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. So instead of speaking the truth of God, see, when they sat on the seat of Moses, they read from the law of Moses. They read the truth. But the minute they got out of that seat and they went into society, right? They were totally different. They didn't live by the word of God, 
right? They didn't live by it. They didn't implement the truth and the word of God into their life. That's what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying, instead of you speaking the truth of God, you condemn people, he says, right? And they want, all they wanted to do was judge people. All they wanted to do was point the finger at people instead of showing mercy. Instead of showing love and compassion, forgiveness, understanding, right? And, and Jesus is saying right here, you don't act on the truth of God, but instead you practice, right? You act, in other words, and you practice on your man-made rules, on your man-made laws, so to speak. So Jesus tells them, because of this, you yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to enter. So really what he tells them is that they're not going to enter into his kingdom. See, you see, when it comes to the kingdom of God, they aren't interested in the kingdom of God, right? They're not interested in it because they don't believe, right? They don't believe in the word of God. They don't believe in the truth of God and implementing that into their own lives, into the lives of other people, right? They don't live by the word of God, you can say. So they aren't experiencing the kingdom reality in their life. Nor they're living in a way that those who want to live for the kingdom of God, right? All those people that came to them seeking the truth of God, right? They're not finding it. They aren't learning kingdom truth in order to enter into his kingdom. So Jesus is telling them this. Instead of being a godly influence in those people's lives, you're being an ungodly influence. Verse 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. There it is. He says it again. And you're going to see this over and over in today's lesson. For you devour widows' houses, and for they make long prayers. Therefore, you shall receive the greater judgment. Some of your Bibles might say damnation. So look what he says here in that first text. For you devour widows' houses, right? Now, if you're Torah illiterate, so to speak, right? In other words... You really don't understand the commandments of God, right? In other words, you really don't understand the Torah, right? Then you're going to make the same foolish mistake that these individuals are making right now. And what is that? See, in the commandments of God, right? In the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, right? We said this over and over. The Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, Especially the scribes, this is all they went by, was the Torah. That's their Bible, which is our first five books in the Old Testament. That's really their Bible. That's all they study. Now, the Pharisees studied the prophets, right? The scribes didn't study the prophets. They just studied the first five books of our Old Testament, right? Which they call the Torah, right? But the Pharisees, besides learning the Word of God and the Torah... They made up their man-made laws also. And Jesus is saying, this is what you follow, right? So, if you don't have an understanding, Jesus is saying right here, of my commandments, right? In other words, what the prophets say, right? Then, we don't understand what really God is teaching. Because you see, God teaches in the commandments, and through the prophets, that there's a special place in God's heart for widows, right? See, oftentimes women, 
back in this culture, right? They were exploited, so to speak. They were taken advantage of, right? And, and you know, when, 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 a, when their husband passed away or something happened, they were left alone. They were a widow, right? And, and you've seen this a great deal during this time. And you got to understand this. The religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, right? We say they were religious and political leaders. They were supposed to be an inspiration to the people of Israel, especially widows. But you see, society then took advantage of widows. They exploited them, right? They took advantage of them. So Jesus is saying here, instead of being a defender of women, right, and widows, that you really don't follow the commandments of God. See, instead, what they did, they devoured the people. They devoured women. They devoured widows. And you might say, what do you mean devour? What did they do, right? See, instead of going to them with love and compassion, right, and, and, and helping them live, because you got to understand, a woman back then didn't work. The man worked. The man did everything. So once the, the woman's husband passed away, she was at the mercy, so to speak, of society. And the religious leaders, right, being spiritual leaders, you would think, and basically political leaders, because really what they said went in the nation of Israel. God said, through His commandments and through the prophets, you see that God has a heart for widows and He wanted them to tend to those widows. But they would go to these widows and they would say, you know what, I'm going to support you a little bit, but you got to give X amount of money to us, right? Sort of what you see today in, in, in churches and religion, right? I'm, I'm, you know, you give money and, and in return they help. But they weren't doing that. They would exploit these people. Now these women, most of them didn't have money, right? Because this is what their husband worked. You know, I mean, and most of them live like us today, paycheck to paycheck. This is what they did. So Jesus is saying, instead of tending to these widows... Instead of looking out for these widows and showing love, mercy, and compassion, understanding, right? You devour these people. You take advantage of these women, right? And look what else Jesus says, continuing on with that text. He says, and you make long prayers. Therefore, you shall receive the greater judgment. So Jesus is saying right here that, that you're, you're making an outward religious prayer in order to conceal your evil actions. That's what Jesus is saying, right? He said, and because of that, you're going to receive a greater judgment. So because they took advantage of widows and of women, Jesus says, because of their evil actions, right? Jesus says, you're going to receive a greater punishment. So you know what that tells us here? It also tells us that there's different levels of judgment in hell, right? And we see this a couple of times in Scripture in our last Three years of, of, of doing this Bible study and studying it, right? That there's different levels of judgment in hell, right? So what we see in verses 13 and 14, right? Is that Israel's history, the culture of Israel, right? Their daily lives center around the relationship of God, of Yahweh, right? The religious leaders were the most well-known of all the leaders in the nation of Israel. Because... They were both political and they were spiritual leaders. And Jesus comes onto the scene right here and he's pointing out to them, right? He makes stinging accusations. Why? Because they hunger for power. They hunger for money. They hunger 
for status, right? And he says, because you hunger for all these things, you're really losing the sight of God. He says, you know, you're blind. And because of your blindness and because you hunger for power and for greed, for money, for status, so to speak, right? Because you're so prideful, he says, your blindness is spreading throughout the entire nation of Israel. So instead of speaking the truth of God, what they were doing, they were perverting the truth of God, right? They were leading people down the wrong path. That's what Jesus is saying here. Verse 15, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. So here it is again. says it again. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Now, there's a lot going on, and that's powerful right here, that what Jesus says. He says, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. In other words, not so much today, but some 2,000 years ago and before in Judaism, right? They had a call of Abraham's covenant, right? And, and what is that, you see? In other words, to be the light to the nations of the world. To go and take God's revelation and teach it to all the people, all the nations. Now, why am I saying that? Because that's what the prophet Isaiah wrote, right? When Isaiah wrote, my house... We're talking about the temple in Jerusalem, right? The prophet Isaiah said, My house might be a house or a place of prayer for all people, right? So there was an emphasis in taking God's revelation to the world. So all the people and all the nations can hear and see and know about the God of Israel, right? And the view is this, right? If you brought a Gentile to faith, this is what they believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, the God of the patriarchs, right? The God of Israel. This was a wonderful deed that they did. But you see, today, we don't see that much emphasis being put on this, right? But here's the problem going back to the religious leaders, right? They would travel, the Bible says, Jesus says, over land and sea. But when they would make a disciple, so to speak, in other words, one that follows in their like likeness, right? One that does exactly how they told them and how they taught, right? Look what the scripture says. And when you have succeeded, in other words, Jesus tell them, you converted them, right? But look what Jesus says. This is powerful right here. He says, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. So Jesus is saying here, instead of bringing them into a kingdom future, into the kingdom of God, what happens? These leaders would bring people into the judgment of God, right? So we see that these religious leaders really aren't servants of God. You see, we need to make this scripture personal ourselves. We need to ask ourselves this question. Are we truly servants of God? Are we acting in a way that has a kingdom influence upon others? You see, way too often, instead of being kingdom-minded, right? You know what a lot of us do in this world? 
Instead of putting his kingdom first, right? You know what kingdom we put ahead of God's kingdom? This world, right? We, we, we just like these converts, so to speak, right? That's what we are. You see, these converts were attracted to their man-made laws, right? Because this is what they emphasized. This is what they taught, right? And instead of knowing and understanding and implementing the word of God in their life, right? They practiced and instilled in these men these man-made laws, right? And in turn, they really missed out on God's teaching. They really missed out on the truth of God. And you see, a religion of work, just like they were teaching here, puts pressure on people to surpass others in what they know and what they do, right? And you had these hypocritical teachers here, right? And they were teaching these other students, so to speak, right? And when you have a hypocritical teacher pointing out, looking to condemn, looking to judge, and as a student, that's all you hear and that's all you know, then you become what? Hypocritical yourself, right? And this is what was happening. So we must make sure that we're not creating Pharisees by emphasizing outward obedience at the expense of inner renewal. That's what Jesus wants us to see here, right? Verse 16. He says, woe to you, blind guides. Now he changes it up a little bit, right? He calls them blind guides. So Jesus will use what they say to show them that they are misunderstood. In other words, that they aren't seeing things from a position of biblical truth. Look what he says, the rest of the verse. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath, right? So he tells them, if anyone swears by the temple, you say this, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You see these religious leaders, right? In order to manipulate, you can say in order to cover up that which is false. In other words, their lies, their deceit. Because there wasn't, there was teaching the word of God when they sat on the, the seat of Moses. But as soon as they got out of that seat, they were going back to their man-made laws, right? So, so they were basically lying to the people. They weren't really leading the people in the word of God, in the truth of God. They wasn't living the word of God. So what they would do, they would oftentimes, they would, they would take oaths, right? In other words, they would play games with people and they would say, well, you know, I, I, I swear by this, just like we read, right? But that doesn't obligate me, right? I'm not obligated to that because I really didn't mean that. I really meant, this is what I meant to say, right? And I'm going to explain this in the next couple of verses because Jesus is going to give them examples in their own words, what they tell people. Then Jesus at the end is going to tie everything up together and show them what he means by that, right? Verse 17, he says, you blind fool. So again, he's telling them you don't understand the truth. You're not seeing things from God's perspective, from a biblical perspective. He said, which is greater? Look what Jesus says. Jesus is asking them a question by using their own question. Jesus says, which one's greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred, right? You see, he's saying it is the temple status that gives the gold 
or makes it sacred and important, right? But you don't say that. Verse 18, he says, you also say this, that if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. So Jesus is telling them, you say the altar is really not as important as the gifts that you put upon this altar. Jesus says in verse 19, you blind men, which is greater, he says, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred. Now you see how crazy this sounds? You see how crazy this is, right? This is what they would say and this is what they believe, right? They would take oaths, right? Because they're deceiving their lives from their man-made laws and their man-made rules, right? They wanted the people to follow that, but they themselves didn't follow it, right? Because they say, that ain't what I meant. I meant this. Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it, Jesus says, and anything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. So we see that these religious leaders, Jesus is saying right here, they're spiritually blinded. Their logic is foolish, right? It's about one thing. It's about using their religion. That's what Jesus is pointing out here, right? Because they use such things when they talk to people and they take the oath of people as using the altar, right? Then they say temple and gifts upon the altar and gold within the temple. All these things, right? And using them in order to take advantage of others. Then they would turn around and say, well, I know I said that, but because I said that, the temple, not the gold of the temple, I'm not obligated, right? I mean, you, you see how crazy their logic was? Why would they say such things, right? I, I, I mean, this right here. I mean, the Bible, the Torah, the prophets, none of that say anything about what they was teaching and telling the people of Israel, right? You want to know why? They say this. I'm going to tell you why. Because their quote religion. Didn't come. From godly. Revelation. In other words. It didn't come. From the inspiration. Of the spirit. But instead. It came from their own imaginations. Right. In order to exalt themselves. And accomplish their own desires rather than the desires of God. So again, we need to ask ourselves this question. What am I trying to accomplish? Right? In other words, do I want to fulfill my objectives? Right? In other words, do what I want to do? Right? Or do I want to do the will of the Father. Do I want to do God's will? Right? See, do you really know Jesus is the question. Do you put religion ahead of Jesus? And there's nothing wrong with religion. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with religion. Everybody's involved in a religion of some sort. But you got to make sure in that religion, that whatever religion you involve, that Jesus is the priority. That Jesus comes first. Right? Because knowing Jesus will get you into that eternal kingdom of God. 
Because Jesus says it in John 14, 6, that He's the way to the Father. And the only way to the Father is through Him, right? Verse 22. And anyone who swears by heaven, swears by God's throne, and by the one who sits on it. Now let me ask you this question here. When you hear that term, right? The throne of God. What comes to your mind? Right? The throne of God we study in the book of Revelation. Right? And we can summarize the throne of God from the book of Revelation. Right? In this way. It's, it's, it's when the events at the end time happens. Right? And the throne of God from heaven is going to come down to this earth. In other words, Jesus will rule. Jesus will have authority. His authority, His rule will be present here on this earth. Right? So what He's saying in this verse is that God really is the only true authority. That's what he's saying by the throne of God. That's what he means, right? In other words, that God is the only judge. See, all they wanted to do was condemn people. They wanted to judge people. And he's pointing them out. You're really not speaking the word of God. You're really not teaching the truth of God because you want to condemn, and there's only one that can condemn. There's only one that can judge, and that's God. And we know it is that in the end times that God the Father will turn all the power over to who? His Son. The Messiah, Jesus. So in the end, the only judge is going to be who? King Jesus. Amen? Verse 43. Jesus says again, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, such as justice mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So here again, right? They emphasize the things that they want, right? And they leave alone the things that have greater significance. That's what Jesus is saying. He says these things. What the law manifests is justice, mercy, and faithfulness, right? He says this is what you should be focusing on. But yet, you leave that alone. You ignore that, he says. Look what he says in verse 24. He says, you blind guides. Again, he's saying you don't understand the word of God. You don't understand. You're not seeing things from God's perspective. He's saying from biblical truth. He said, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel, he says, right? Now, he's going to emphasize here a gnat, right? And we know what a gnat is. It's a small insect, a small bug, right? And they, and they were worried that this gnat or this bug would get into their drink, right? Because it wasn't, quote, clean, according to their kosher laws, right? So, so what he says there, he says, you strain out a gnat, but yet you swallow a camel. Now, a camel here isn't kosher either. But he's given an example here that he wants everybody to see, right? A gnat is small. A camel is huge, right? So he's saying that which is obvious, <laughs> you pay no attention to. That's what he's saying. And, and that which is not important, 
You bring all that attention on that. Right? So, so what Jesus is telling us here in this verse, this is what's happening, is that the Pharisees would strain water so that they wouldn't accidentally swallow a gnat, right? Because you see a gnat was unclean according to their law, their kosher law, laws. And, and they, would, they would be so meticulous about the details of, of being ceremonial clean, right? That they lost all perspective of true purity. That's what Jesus is saying right here, right? In other words, they were ceremonial clean on the outside, Jesus is saying. But boy, on the inside, they were really corrupt. They had corrupt hearts, right? So what we see Jesus talking to us about in verses 23 and 24, right, is this right here. And this is a lesson for us to, to take heed of, to take note of. That it's possible to obey the details of the law, but still be dis disobedient, so to speak, right, in our general behavior. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that, right? See, we can be very precise and we can be very faithful in giving 10% of our money to God, giving 10% of our money to church, to the church. However, we refuse to give one minute of time to help other people, to uplift other people, to be an encouragement to other people, to be that light that shines in this dark world to other people, especially non-believers, right? See, tithing your money is important. But paying the tithe does not exempt us from fulfilling God's others, you can say, I guess, directives, right? His other commandments, so to speak, right? And this is the message that Jesus wants us to hear today, right? That just because we do one thing in the law doesn't mean that we have to disregard everything else, right? Just because you give money and you give 10% or 20%, but yet you leave church after you give your money and you go out in the, in the real world, in society, in the, in the community for the rest of the week, but you're not an inspiration to people. You're not uplifting to people, right? You don't show people love and mercy, right? You don't give them forgiveness, right? Instead, you like to condemn, you like to gossip, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Then if you're one of these people, or you know, then they're just you or somebody else, whoever does this. Jesus is talking to you just like he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, right? And that's the message that we need to take. That if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, right? That we're just not a disciple of Jesus part-time. We're just not a disciple. We just don't follow one section of the law, so to speak, right? But we live out the entire law in our daily lives to other people, right? To your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? People you come in contact with every day. Jesus says we're to be that light that shines. You need to be that beacon that attracts them to Jesus. That's what we were put on this earth for. It's to tell people about the kingdom of heaven. To tell people about the kingdom of God. To tell them about Jesus. To show them love and mercy and compassion and to forgive. Verse 25. Jesus says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. 
You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. So he says, you clean the outside of the cup and dish. So he is saying, you look spiritual. You talk like you love and that you know the word of God and you live by the truth of God. You got that persona about you. You got that look. In other words, from people's perspective on the outside, man, you look godly. You look holy. You look righteous is what he's saying. But look what else he says in that second half of that verse. But on the inside, he says, you full of greed and self-indulgence. He's saying your heart, your heart is full of selfishness. That's what he's saying, right? See, you're all about self. You're prideful. You're full of pride, right? So he's saying you are emphasizing more on the outward appearance than you are on the inner appearance, than your heart, right? That's what he's saying. You worry more about looks. You worry more about how people perceive you and how people look at you. But you should be worried more about what? Your inside, your heart. Last verse for today, verse 26. Blind Pharisees, he says it again. You clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be also clean. You know what he's saying right here? To clean the inside, you need to humble yourself. He's saying you need to get rid of that pride. You need to live and behave in a way that reflects and represents God and his kingdom. In other words, he's saying you need to have a heart condition changed. I'm not talking about a spiritual heart, a physical heart. I'm talking about spiritual heart, right? In other words, he's saying that you need to change your heart like God has a heart. Because God has a heart for all people. Because we all made, the Bible says what? In God's image. In the image of God, right? So he's saying, you got to have a heart like God. And how do we do this today, you ask, right? By having an intimate relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, right? See, by allowing that Holy Spirit to move in you, right? To move upon you, right? That's why it's important every day to read Scripture and spend time in God's Word because it's the truth of God. And we need to take that Word and we need to implement it into our daily lives. But not only spend time in the Word of God and implement it in our lives, but we need to seek God in an intimate relationship, in a personal relationship through His Son, Jesus Christ. Right? And when you do that, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to move within you, to move upon you. And when you do that, then you're going to take the heart of Jesus, right? In other words, you're going to have that spiritual heart. But it takes you to humble yourself and come to Jesus and ask Him to give you that new heart, to give you that cleanness, so to speak, right, on the inside. And Jesus right here uses the word clean. Right? 
He says, first clean the inside of the cup. The word clean means that which is acceptable to God. You see, when you unclean, unclean means that you rejected by God. So we, we can't be foolish and we can't make the wrong evaluation of things, right? We, we, we don't put the emphasis on the outward, but instead we need to put the emphasis where? On the inside, on the inward, on our heart. That's what Jesus is telling them right here. Remember what God revealed about David, right? David, remember, before he became king, he was a shepherd boy out in the field. And God said, it's not the outward that God focuses on, but what is the inward? God looking upon the heart, right? The story of David. The prophet Samuel, God tells the prophet Samuel, he said, you know, Saul disobeyed God several times and God had enough. And God said, Samuel, won't you go to the house of Jesse? And when you get to the house of Jesse, he says, I'm going to tell you which one of his sons will be the next king of the nation of Israel. And I want you to anoint him, pour the oil on him. Well, Samuel goes to Jesse's house. And when he gets there, Jesse lines up all his sons. But God tells him after he goes through each and every one of them, that's not him. That's not the next king. That's not the next king. And he went through all seven. Then he looked at Jesse and he said, is there another son that I'm missing here that's not here? And what did Jesse say? Oh, yeah, I have another son. But he's just a little teenage boy. He's a shepherd out in the shepherd's field. It can't be David. <laughs> There's no way. Right? David doesn't look like a king. Right? Although Dave, Dave, the Bible says David was handsome, he didn't have a king look, right? He wasn't muscular. He was, I mean, he just didn't look like a king on the outside. But the minute that Jesse sent back for David to come, and the minute Samuel saw David, God said, that right there is my next king of the nation of Israel. You see, God doesn't look at outward appearance. But God knew David's heart. The Bible says that David had a heart for God. Now did David sin? Absolutely. But we all sin. We're all sinners, right? But you know what David did? David repented of his sins. And David drew closer to God, right? Sin didn't separate him from God. But it, he repented and he drew him closer to God. Why? Because he had a heart for God. He had a heart for people. Do you have a heart for God tonight? Do you have a heart for people? Right? You see, our heart needs to be established and directed just like Jesus' heart. Right? See, God gave us His only begotten Son by His grace, right? And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life, right? So we need to open up our hearts to Jesus, right? We need to take on the character of Jesus. Why? Because this will lead us into the eternal kingdom of God. 
Amen? So until next week, we'll be back next week, continuing on in the book of Matthew, chapter 23. Y'all have a wonderful and blessed week. We appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Y'all go out and be the light for somebody this week. God bless y'all. We love you. Take care.